In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. It's beautiful to celebrate the resurrection, and it's a joyful time of the year, it's a joyous time of the year. All you have to do is walk into any Coptic church, and you'll find special hymnology with beautiful white curtains, uh, an icon of the resurrection, and a general feel that this is a different season. There's something special about this. It's not just something we celebrate for a day. As you know, we celebrate for 50 days between Feast of Resurrection and Feast of Pentecost. And in addition, every Sunday in the Coptic calendar is dedicated to the resurrection. That's because it's such a significant event in our lives. It's significant to humanity because through it, humanity was saved. Through it, through the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, through his crucifixion, through his death on the cross, and then through his resurrection, we're all raised. But that means we need to look at it in a certain way, from a certain perspective. Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 12, verse 48 says, To whom much is given, much will be required. To whom much is given, much will be required. For many of us, that is a, a scary verse. We find this frightening because we almost feel that God is someone who has given us something and we are indebted to him. And so we have to be afraid because we have to pay back. But actually, that's not what it's about. God doesn't want anything from us for him. When we read that to whom much is given, much will be required, who's it required for? What's it required for? In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25, our Lord says to us very clearly that if we do any of these good acts that he spoke about, feeding, giving drink, visiting, if we do any of those to anyone, it's as if, we're, as if we're doing it to him personally. So God doesn't require for himself, because God doesn't need anything from us. But God actually, out of his love for us, requires of us for each other. So he says to us, that he looks at us and he says, you know what, I look at you and I have given you all a particular gift. And I have also given you all the same gift. So the particular gift you have is your talent, the things you have to work with. But the gift we have all been given is the gift of life, the gift of salvation, the gift of resurrection. And because we've all been given that gift, we need to help each other with it. We've all been given that for one another, to support one another, to be able to provide for one another. So what do we provide through resurrection? We provide hope. We look at each other and there are many times we will fall into despair. 
One of the greatest challenges of modern life at the moment, for not only people your age, but for everyone, is despair. We feel that the world just has nothing to give us, or we have nothing to give back, or nothing is there for us to take. We feel deprived, we feel in despair, we feel we can't make a difference. How many times have we walked out in the masses, if you've you know, taken the tube today, if you've taken a very busy bus today, if you've walked down a very busy street today, you're one of thousands, tens of thousands, you're one of millions. And far too often we feel like we're just one of millions. So how do I matter? What does my life matter to anyone? That's the beauty of the resurrection. The resurrection came for all of us. But when we look at the wording of John 3.16, our Lord didn't come just for all of us. He came for each of us. And can you see the difference? It's one thing to say, I have something for all of you. Another thing to say, I have something for each of you. For each means personally. And that's why John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish. Everyone who believes in Him. Whosoever. One. And as one, we matter. In the resurrection, we matter. So when we celebrate the resurrection, when we look at those white curtains, when we listen to the hymnology, we think, that was about me. About me personally. God values me. Because quite often, we feel impoverished. We feel like we have nothing in the world. And the problem comes then when I feel like I have nothing in the world, I often try to build what I can. And what I can is usually the material, the tangible. It's the worldly. We often don't think to build the spiritual because we think that spiritually we're less than perfect, we're less than average. God doesn't want us. And there is nothing that is less true. Of course we're less than perfect. But because we are less than perfect, God came to save us. Otherwise, He wouldn't have needed to come. When we feel like we have nothing, we start to accumulate. And not only accumulate the wrong things, but accumulate in excess. You become greedy. When we feel like we have no self-esteem, we have no value, we try to acquire things in the world to give us value. We find value in things that are tangible. Because you, you know what? If I want X, I'll go out and buy it. It's mine. People know the value of this. So when they see me with this, they think, wow, you must be really important. 
You must have things. And I build my self-esteem on that. Whereas actually, the thing that gives me the greatest sense of importance and self-esteem and pride is something I have inside and no one can give me but God. No one at all. Only He can give it to me. If we look at Luke 16, we read, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously, ate sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, laid at his gates, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, table. So there is such a paradox here. One man who is wealthy in the world, who has everything, who sits and feasts sumptuously, and another one who's sitting begging full of sores, rejected. We all know the story of Lazarus and the rich man. As the story goes on, what happens? Verse 22 So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. So, we all die. We all die. And that's why the resurrection is for all of us, because we all die. Not only do we all physically die, which we know, but we all spiritually die. We all sin. We all fall short. We all make mistakes. The question is, once I die to sin, in sin, what do I do next? What I do next is that I can fall back on the resurrection that I know. I fall back on the hope that I know. I fall back on the importance that I know. When someone does something for you and it's an incredible feat that's out of this world and totally unexpected, you think, was I worth all that? Did did you do that just for me? God does things just for us. And we need to understand that when He does it just for us, He does it because He loves us and for no other reason. We're warned in Matthew 6 not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where, as you all know, moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. We build things up for us, for ourselves here on earth, and we lose them time and time again. And it's not just tangible things, even if we think symbolically. We build up for ourselves treasures on this earth. And those treasures are treasures of pride, arrogance, a sense of importance, self-centeredness, a sense of greed. And I build all of that up. 
and I acquire things. And not just tangible things, I acquire things like appeasing people, getting people's flattery, getting people's compliments. Because sometimes I dig for those compliments, I want them. It's what makes me feel good. Because without those compliments, I feel defeated, I feel worthless. But in actual fact, those are the kind of things that this verse specifically speaks of. Those are the things that the metaphoric rust and moth can destroy. Because we all know that the compliments of humans are very unreliable. Someone can compliment you today and completely turn against you tomorrow, or someone can compliment you today and say something totally different the minute you turn your back. So these things of this world are not the things that are going to stay with us. And yes, the metaphorical thief can also steal. Because you and I may have a prominence, an importance. Someone finds us really popular and really attractive today. But all it takes is a few days, weeks, months, years, someone else steps in the picture and that person becomes more prominent and more attractive. And that's stolen from me. That prominence is stolen from me. When we build those things up for ourselves on earth, in a worldly, earthly way, then we stand to lose much. So we need to build up the things that cannot be taken away. The things that no one can even reach because they're deep inside me. That image and likeness of God that is inside me. That sonship, that daughtership that is inside me. The things that God gives me and me alone. Because only in those things is my true identity. God wants to gather us. He wants to gather us. And we have this beautiful verse in, in the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 23, where our Lord says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How many times have I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks? Yet you're not willing. If you see how a hen gathers her chicks, it's under the wings. Right? Gathered all together. Remind you of something? That's how God gathers us. Through the cross. He's lifted up on the cross. Lifted up on the tree. Lifted up as the second Adam. So he takes away the fault of Adam. He takes away the fault of the tree. He takes away our brokenness and is lifted up and gathers us with him into the resurrection. And that's what gives me that sense of importance. 
because every one of those little chicks under the wings of that hen is loved and protected and cherished. And every one of us under the arms of our Lord on that cross is exactly the same way. But we, we often make a mistake. We know this. We keep it in mind. But then somehow we forget it. We just forget. We get busy. We get lost. How many of us are really lifted up in, in the readings of Holy Week? And even if we find it long, find it, find it sometimes challenging and taxing, if you look at the readings and listen to the hymnology and look at the actual experience, we're so lifted up by it because we think this is a beautiful process, it's a beautiful journey that God has decided to take me on. And it lifts up. And then we get to sort of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you get even more of a climax because there's the liturgy and there's the foot washing and there's a longer bascha in the evening. We read all the Gospels and then Friday you have a full day of prayers and hymnology and reading and hymnology that is sometimes start solemn, starting solemn and then going into the joyous. And then we go into the Good Friday evening and the Apocalypse service where we're getting ready. And then the Resurrection service comes and we're there and we're praying Beautiful procession coming in, and then the lights go down. And then you have the reenactment of the resurrection. And this is where people suddenly rejoice. We remember why we're there. But unfortunately, very shortly after that, liturgy goes on, we finish. We're eating, we're drinking, we're celebrating with each other, which is a beautiful thing. We go into the following day, we have a day with family and a day with friends, which is a beautiful thing. Then we go into the holy 50 days and we're told to celebrate, great thing. But we lose the meaning in the middle. We lose the risen Christ in the middle. We, we rejoice in everything around him, but we lose the risen Christ. And we don't just lose him symbolically. We lose him in our lives. We forget him. This build-up that's been happening is suddenly forgotten, but it doesn't need to be forgotten. Like we started today saying, we've been given much, so much is going to be expected of us, for each other. If I have forgotten the risen Christ in my life, how can I give him to someone else? If I have misplaced the hope in my life, how can I help someone else with it? 
if I've lost the joy in Him, how can I share with anyone else? And if you look around you in the world, there's a lot of brokenness. Some of it, self-imposed, people making the wrong choice, mistakes, we all do. But some of it for people who have done nothing. They've actually done nothing. You look at tens of thousands of Christians around the world who are persecuted. People of other religions, other faiths. Children. People who die in famines. People who suffer because of no fault of their own. We can make a difference to those people because much has been given to us. If I understand for myself the joy and the importance of the resurrection, then surely I can pass that on to someone else. But if I walk around constantly sad, constantly challenged, constantly dragged down by the world because I've forgotten the risen Christ, I've lost him, then how can I give that to anyone else? And that is what we need to understand. That is what is going to be asked of us. Two famous brothers, Old Testament, they fight. One kills the other. God says, where is your brother? Where is your brother? That's the frightening question. And for us, when we're asked, where is your brother? It's not just about our siblings, not even just about our church or our community. It's about the world. But before you panic, you are not meant to save the whole world. You are just meant to make a difference to the people you meet and you know and the people who encounter you. That's it. That's the only thing you need to do. To take that joy of the risen Christ that is within us, that is for us, and project it into the world and share it with people. That's what it's for. You get lots of situations of people who have been through something and they'll try to help others. You see it with addicts, people who have been in any sort of substance addiction, especially alcohol. Someone who's been drinking a lot becomes alcoholic and then breaks out of that cycle, suddenly wants to share that victory with others and help others and bring them their own victory in their own way. People who struggle with a certain sin, people who struggle with a certain vice, people who struggle with something in their character and have been able to overcome it and are very thankful to God for overcoming it and then wanting to share that good news, saying, this was my life. We, we don't do it in exactly the same way within our church, but in some expressions of Christianity, people will stand there and give testimonials. We feel that it's a more personal thing for us. Or you can tell people in a more intimate way. We don't tend to stand and give testimonials in front of multitudes. But some do. 
And that testimonial is, listen, I was this person. Now I'm a new person. You and I can give that same example on a daily basis. Either out of personal experience saying, you know what, I had this difficulty, I was struggling like you, and now I'm okay. Or, you know what, I was going through something similar and I've been able to overcome it. Personally. Or generally, we can deliver the message of hope that says, you know what, I felt weak in sin. I felt that I kept falling. I felt that I kept making mistakes. I felt that I had no control over my life. But in and with the power of the risen Lord, I am now feeling His love, feeling His victory. I'm not just feeling it, I'm living it. People can tell when we're living victory. And people can tell when we're walking around morbidly miserable. It's not difficult. It's not rocket science. It, it, it just... You know when you're in the presence of a happy person. We have a problem, though, of condemning ourselves and saying, yeah, but I'm not, kind of that, I'm not that kind of person. You don't have to be someone who walks around telling jokes and laughing all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is people who look into our lives and see joy. There are some people who can sit there and make jokes all the time. I'm not one of those people. But I can say the odd joke, usually pretty bad. Then, you know, if it does work every now and then, that's a bonus. But there are other people who can sit and tell jokes and, okay, I'm not that person. I shouldn't beat myself up for not being that person. I am who I am. But when people look into my heart, into my life, do they see someone who's living joy in his or her own way? Do they see someone who is living with God and experiencing God in his or her own way? I've been really inspired over this whole week to keep reassuring people that they do not need to be someone else. They just need to be themselves. Because you are perfect in the eyes of God, in your imperfection. You know, when, when you have something in particular and, and you know it has little chip in it. Now, you look at that and you realize the chip and after a while you don't see the chip anymore because that's how it is. God sees the little chips in us and he recognizes them and he knows them fully well. But he doesn't condemn us for them. As long as we're trying to overcome the things we can overcome, he's fine with that. As long as we're trying to overcome the things that we go through and we're able to overcome, he's fine with that. He just wants us 
to be victorious in Him. And that is why He gives us so much. It's difficult for us to just remind ourselves of that all the time. Because things happen. Life takes over. We become disappointed. We become disillusioned. We, we, we become tired. But when I have someone next to me who says, no, it doesn't matter. You're fine. We all become tired. You're fine. The fact that you're tired, or that you're anxious, or that you're worried, doesn't mean that God is any less effective in you. It just means you are having a human feeling. Don't panic. Don't panic. Remember that Christ is risen. And in remembering that Christ is risen, remember that he, he rose to raise you. And so no matter what you think the fault with you is, God in flesh rose and raised us with him. So it's really important for us to realize the beauty and the extent of this gift. And no one else could have given it to us, only him. And because only he could have given it to us, we can only celebrate him and victory in him because he is unchangeable. He is undefeatable. He doesn't ever leave us. In fact, he raised us then. He raises us now. And when we go back to him in sin, in brokenness, repentant and confessing, he will raise us again and again and again because he is risen and he wants us to be risen with him and glory be to God forever Amen